0: Good day and welcome to the Waystations Ministries podcast. I'm Greg Spencer with a light for your journey and a good word for the road. It's great to be traveling together and I thank you for coming with me. Let's ride together for a while. And welcome back to Waystations podcast. This is Greg Spencer. Once again, I thank you for returning and checking this one out. And, uh, It's good to be with you, it always is, and I'm grateful for the opportunity. What, uh, I have a question, (laughs) actually I have several. Have you ever felt like you should slap yourself upside the head saying, man, I wish I had a V8? (laughs) How many times do we look back and say, man, I wish I'd done it different. Why didn't I do it this way? Why didn't I do it that way? I love that commercial. I don't even know if it's still on the air, but uh, I get a smile just about every time I say it, and I say it a lot because there's reasons why we get ourselves into the messes that we do, and we don't always realize that it's happening. Sometimes it's because we're a little bit spontaneous in the way we think. It's a a matter of saying, well, this is how I feel, this is what I think, so this is what I'm going to go with. And sometimes we need to give a little bit more time. Sometimes we need to think things through. Uh, I know that uh, I like to talk a little bit about John Wesley and his theology, and one of the things that he talks about is a pathway of following a a direction for how you think and how you act so that you have less getting into trouble, less problems, less um, consequences more positive results. And what does that happen? That means you're going to bang your head a little less (laughs) if if you do that. The first thing is to be intentional about our lives. And that means you're going to have to take a little bit of time to think ahead or to think it through. And in troubled times, particularly, we tend to react immediately and that means we're going to react emotionally, or we're going to react on the basis of an imagination without necessarily any evidence of fact, it means that we will be impulsive. And that doesn't always lead to a good result. So as you know, over the last several episodes, I've been talking a little bit about finding a pathway, finding a guide that can help us along the way. And there are uh, guides that are out there that have been around for hundreds of years, thousands of years, really. And uh, the reference that I'm going to use for scripture today is one of those. It comes from the book of Proverbs, which is very, very old in the Bible. Uh, and uh, it's, it's pretty classy uh, because it so speaks to our situations. When we're growing up, One of the things that happens in the beginning is we do whatever we're told and and we depend on our parents to do everything for us, and that's really cool and we like that very much. But as we start to grow, we start to develop our own sense of self And when that starts to happen, well, we don't like everything that they put on the table for us to eat, or we don't want to do everything that they tell us we have to do. And that grows for quite a while. We get to a place where we don't want to hear advice. We don't want to hear counsel. We don't want to follow the rules. We may not understand them, and if we did, we don't know if that would make any difference anyway. So what happens is the parents try their hardest to give us a good path, to give us a good uh, direction. Our teachers, our mentors, uh, good leaders in our lives, they all try to provide a decent way for us to go forward. But in the end, it's going to come down to us as to whether we're going to follow it or not. And uh, sometimes by not following a clear path and not considering that path, well, we get ourselves into trouble. So let's think about that a little bit. From the book of Proverbs in chapter 3, There's a couple of references, and it may take more than one session to uh, explore this, but here's how it starts. My child, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. Well, like most of us in this country, at least, if not everywhere, when it says keep my commandments, the word commandment says, hey, wait a minute, (laughs) I'm not so sure I want to do that. I don't even know what's coming yet. So we immediately set up a resistance to a guide or to advice, or to counsel. We know that they don't know what we're thinking, or where we've been, and so we tend not to want to listen to it. Here, you have the author trying to say, look, I've got some good for you, and if you pay attention to this, it may help you out. For length of days, and years of life, and abundant welfare, they will give you the commandments that I want to offer, the, the guidelines that I'm trying to give to you, these can make a very positive difference for you. And you may not see it in its entirety. You may not be able to comprehend it all. You may be needing to take some time because there's an awful lot of lessons that we have that we don't realize until we look back. So it's a matter of trusting the guides that you follow, trusting the wisdom, if you will, Do not let loyalty and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Hmm, that's pretty uh, religious language. (laughs) What's he talking about? Loyalty and faithfulness can protect you. If people know that you are loyal and faithful, they know they can depend on you and they will trust you. It enables you to be able to discern who you can trust and who you can depend on. When you do these things, you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and in the sight of people. And most of us want to know that we can rely on our friends or our teachers or our leaders. We want to know that we can count on them. We'd like to think that they have our best interests at heart. And so when we're loyal and when we're faithful, people respect that. People honor that. They know they can depend on it and we do too. So that provides a certain sense of comfort. You know that the people who are closest to you, the people that you respect the most, these are the ones that you go to for advice. And you know that they're not going to give you a bad deal. They're going to give you their best judgment or their best opinion. They know that you're going to be free to make whatever choice you make, but you know that they have your best interests at heart. This is one of the things I like to talk about in terms of church, if it's a really a, a good church and a good Christian community. The people are there to share their best with each other, and it's not out of self-interest. They offer their advice because they care about you, as opposed to wanting to get ahead or take advantage of you. And this is what we're looking for. This is what we need in our society today, where people can rely on each other because they know The other person has our best interests at heart when they share their thoughts or their opinions or their stories or their advice. If we know that, we'll consider it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own insight. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Well, this is where we're trying to say the path that I want to follow is one that I need to rely on and know that it leads in a good upward way. And if I rely on my own thoughts, how many times have I had to apologize or make up for? How many times did I not realize because I didn't have all the information at hand? There have been occasions where people have felt badly about choices that they had made. They come to me for a little counsel. And I said, you know, at the time, did you not make the best decision you could? And they said, well, yes, I did, but later on we found out more or things didn't go the way we thought they were going to and I felt bad about the decision that I'd made. But at the time that they made it, they didn't have that information. Information comes to us regularly, frequently, in abundance of ways. So to put ourselves down for stuff we didn't have or things that we're not responsible for is just beating ourselves up. We're doing our enemies a benefit for that. That's not what it's about. That's not what's good for us but we tend to do it anyway. So here again, we want to follow the path. So John Wesley, when he talks about it, had three basic rules for it. The first rule is to do no harm. Now, you've heard that in countless uh, settings, and we hear about that as the first rule in the medical profession. It's one of the things that people make a pledge or a vow. They take a, a commitment to say, I will do no harm. Now, it doesn't mean they don't don't make mistakes. It means that as far as it depends on me, I'm going to do my best to preserve life, to improve life, to improve circumstance and situation. And, you know, when mistakes happen, they happen. But as far as I'm concerned, as much as I possibly can, under no means do I want to cause harm. And that becomes a guide. In order to not do harm, you're going to have to be aware of what the circumstances are. You have to be aware of the other situation, the other person, the the problem, how you're going to address that. That's not just a spontaneous response. It's something you want to say, okay, what all is in this? And again, going to the medical medical profession, before anybody takes a knife to anybody else's body, they want to do some tests. (laughs) They want to find out what's wrong, what is actually needed, what do we have to do? There is a huge part of medicine that's dependent on diagnosis. We want to know exactly what's wrong in order to know what exactly we need to do in order to not do harm. And this is true emotionally, and it's true spiritually, and it's true relationally. I don't want to cause harm. So, if I don't want to cause harm with my words, then I want to think, how does the other person hear what I have to say? How are they? Where are they coming from? What's on their mind or what's on their hearts? You have been around people, as I have, that are so caught up in an emotional circumstance that they can't possibly hear clearly, much less objectively. So if I'm sensitive to that, then it will change the way I I speak. It'll change the way I think about how to relate to that person so as not to cause harm or conflict or to make things worse. Doing no harm helps us to become intentional. I am aware, I think, I plan ahead, and then I try to do something or say something to create the best possible result. Okay, this is the first step that Wesley lays out. The second step that he lifts up for us is to do good. Well, how do we do good? How do we know what's good? How do we know what they need? Well, this is what doing no harm helps us to see. It has trained our minds how to be sensitive and aware. How to be receptive and how to be responsible, how to hold ourselves back instead of acting impulsively, how to think things through, imagine what the possible outcomes could be, think about choices we have, and to take steps to fulfill the best that we can. So when it comes to doing good, you want to think what is good for the other person. You don't want to be like that famous uh, humorous story about the Boy Scout that forced the old lady across the street that she didn't want to cross. <laughs> you don't want to do the stuff like that. You want to do the stuff that they need. You want to respond to the need that the other person has and try to be as helpful as you can. So in doing good, you want to think: What do I need to know in the thing, the good thing that I want to do? How can I make that happen? What is it that I can do that will be a help? Sometimes it's just being still. Sometimes it's just being silent, being open to listen, being pleasant. Sometimes it's just being kind. In today's world, there's so much turbulence going on in the world around us, so much stress and anxiety, that any person who offers a smile or an act of kindness makes a huge impression in the lives of other persons who are so isolated and so caught up in their emotions and anxiety. So if we can be the most pleasant person in that person's day, They're going to remember us and be grateful for it. This is why we don't rely on our own insight, but rather on thinking about how to do no harm and making that a value, making that important. Thinking about how to do good in every circumstance and bring about the best result. That is going to help lift us up and help us to make fewer mistakes, less consequences. It's not about being smart. It's not about being arrogant about our thoughts or our opinions or how right we are. It's about, hey, I care about you. I'd like you to know that. And the way you know that is by the being able to rely on me, being knowing that my intentions are good, that my interest is your best good. When these are the things that, that mark the way we live, it helps us to get along. It helps us to reduce the stress and the anxiety. It helps us to stop flying off the handle or arguing about silly stuff. It's, we have far less consequences that we have to live with. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be a healing for your flesh and a refreshment for your body. When we are intentional, thoughtful, considerate, thinking about other persons and their needs, as well as our own, and thinking about how we can get along together, these are the things that helps to refresh us. How many nights have you had filled with anxiety from something that was ongoing, one problem or another, that has just plagued you for day after day, sometimes for weeks, sometimes for months? You don't get any good rest, you don't, you're not able to relax because what's in the back of your mind is just constantly churning in that brain that never goes to sleep. So when we are trying to live and are certain about the good that we're trying to do, sure about the right we're trying to do, the, the positive we're trying to bring about, knowing how sincere and how caring we are for one another, then we can be refreshed and renewed knowing that we've done the best that we can. We know that we're limited. We know that we're going to make mistakes. We know that people are going to misinterpret and misunderstand. That's not the important thing. The important thing is always being geared towards the positive. Caring about them, caring about us, caring about the way that will lead upward, the way that will lead to light instead of darkness, the way that will lead out of the conflict or the pain or the suffering. This happened the other day. There was a person who was uh, had been through surgery And they had been so because they had had a fall and was very, very dangerous and their life was hanging in the balance and no one knew what was going to happen for hours, actually about two days. But the person came through that surgery and was able to recover. And and when I was able to talk to them a couple of days afterwards, uh, they said, oh, it's terrible, the pain, I can't stand it. And I said, well, that's a good thing. (laughs) Now, who would have expected a response like that? Why is that a good thing? Well, because it says that you're alive. Having a little pain here, you've already been through the, the worst dark night, and you've come through it. The pain is a clear sign that you're alive, and you know that it's going to be less. And the truth is, as pain goes away, we don't notice it instant by instant. We notice by larger measures. It hurts a lot in the beginning, And then some time passes and all of a sudden we discover or realize that we're not hurting quite as much as we were the day before. It's not something that we can see a meter on or or see a gauge for. It's something that we just feel. And so the fact that we feel and the fact that we feel less should be a source of joy and encouragement. Now, I know that sounds a little bit whack, doesn't it? It sounds like I'm a little crazy. But what I find is when you think about the pain, it just makes you feel worse and it it drives your emotions down, drives your spirit down, and that's no fun. On the other hand, if we're looking for every possible sign of good, we will see more than we ever saw before and we'll appreciate so much more because we can see it where once we couldn't, we can receive it where once we didn't, and that feels good. This is what a refreshment is for. This is what a way station is for. You stop from the stress, you pull over, you take a rest. Maybe you walk around a few trees. Maybe you sit down at a bench and listen to the birds or feel the wind in your face. Get away from the stress of the driving or the highway or the traffic. Just take a moment. Refresh yourself, renew yourself, and then get back in your car because you don't want to stay there. (laughs) But it sure is good to have along the way. And that's why we're here. To try to offer these ideas, these guides for living. Today we've looked at two steps that John Wesley's talked about. We'll talk about more because the more we do, the happier we become, the better our lives become, and the more fellowship we have. This is what we all need, but not everybody can find the way. I hope this is helpful for you and for your way. So I thank you for listening. I thank you for being with me. I hope that it helps you along the way and that you enjoy your ride just a little bit more because of it. I hope to see you next week. Take care. Well, I'd like to thank you for being with us this time and hope that you'll join us again next time. Next week when we get together for a little more time on the road together. May it be good for you all the way through.